Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Sunday afternoon. Joining me from Los Angeles, California. In between road games for the Lakers in Sacramento and Denver. He'll be going to Denver tomorrow where the Lakers will try to run their winning streak to six games. Dave, I don't, uh, Dave McMenamin, you know how much I love talking about the Lakers on this pod. I thought you don't talk about the Lakers on this pod, right? But right now, they're actually uh, somewhat warranted of the conversation or warranting the conversation, I'd say, because it's the longest win streak currently in today's NBA, which is not a small feat considering, obviously, Anthony Davis being out, but also throwing in Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., and Austin Reeves, three of their younger, more athletic, switchable defenders uh, that they haven't had either, but they, they're plugging in the gaps and taking advantage of some winnable games on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, my point on the Lakers, I've made it recently, is that, okay, we know they're not going to win the title, all right? Um, you know, they they had something cooking a little bit there with Anthony Davis getting hot in December. He hurt his foot. And so we have to adjust our expectations and the Lakers are performing well. And that, you know, if we're, if we're going to pile on them when they were 30th in offense and couldn't make a shot, then we need to acknowledge when they're playing better. And, you know, we frankly need to acknowledge what LeBron is doing. Um, you had a sit down with LeBron on Friday. I believe it was Friday. It was. Um, can we just pull the curtain back a little bit if you don't mind? I believe it had been, with the exception of the 2020 uh, title in the bubble, where I believe he did like a post-game interview with ESPN because it's traditional um, after you win a championship to do that. Um, I don't think he'd given a sit-down to ESPN in four or five years, Dave. Is that about right? Yeah, it had been about four years. Uh, him and I sat down at a hotel in Hollywood for about a half hour uh, in December of 2018. Uh, so a couple months into his first year with the Lakers. Uh, obviously, part of that time gap is COVID. Uh, and you know there, there was restricted access for a while uh, in the NBA. But yeah, it, it's kind of just a, a rarity. And <laughs> Also, part of it is he has many different outlets he can uh, yeah. choose. Yeah, it's not know. it's not personal. He has, uh, you know, uninterrupted. He he now he's doing you know he's got the shop. Now he's doing you know he had done a few Amazon Thursday night second screen things. You know, just LeBron doesn't do it. So you know, first off, like getting the interview um, was significant um, and. He talked in that interview, you know, the, the thing I think some people took away from it um, was that he kind of altered his stance on what he's been saying about Bronny. Can you, I don't want to go into that in depth, but I just want to cover it real quick in case people missed it. You, you asked him about Bronny, who's um, playing his senior year of high school at Sierra Canyon. Um, real quick, would you uh, clarify how he just slightly altered what he's been saying in the last, for the last year or so? Well, obviously, LeBron, and I, I think you gave him a truth serum, uh, maybe it'd be a, a goal one and one A, uh, but we've heard for, for years and years and years that that his primary goal, no uh, matter how long he's still in the league, is to stack championships. But I, I asked him to kind of close our interview. What's the one thing that you need to see happen in your career before you can hang it up? And he said it, he's got to be on the floor with his son, you know, with his boy, his oldest son, Bronny. On the floor, though, that was the distinction. That was the change in the stance. He came off the I need to be teammates with my son. Now, he did say I, I, that would be his preferred uh, situation, spend a year yeah. with him, um, mimic the relationship and dynamic as teammates that King Griffey Sr. and Cambridge Jr. had. But he also said that, you know, I, I, I just got to be, you know, uh, playing on the, the floor at the same time. He said, not necessarily match up against one another. Bronny's point guard. They have me playing center sometimes these days. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to me, that was acknowledging that uh, you know, he may not 
be running from the situation that he's in if if somehow uh you know the Lakers can't end up being the team that would acquire him uh on what draft night 2024 right um even if he's if he's even in the draft in 24 it doesn't because right. you know one thing this LeBron is showing is that I mean he's slowing down relative to where he was 10 years ago but he's not slowing down much um you know he's got he signed a two-year extension with the Lakers only one year of it is guaranteed he's he has a player option after next year but I see no reason to, to think that he will not be in the league for those two years probably playing at a high level barring injury he looks like he's got juice in the tank so um and honestly for this old, for us for us old guys Brian I will say us now that I've hit my fourth decade uh congrats the, 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 thank you the constant line he's been using is that as long as his mind stays in it and sharp that his body will follow and it, it, it is really true like I, I you know you could sound like uh you know uh, just kind of glossing over it but if you stay passionate about what you're doing and um it starts with the mind you got to consider that endeavor a worthwhile pursuit. I talked to one of his former teammates in the last week uh, and, and he hasn't been out of the game all that long. And he was telling me that towards the end, like he started getting tired of having the same type of conversations with people who are 20 years younger than him. Uh, and his, his wife kind of was like, aren't you ready to let that go? Aren't you ready to have different conversations with at being at a different stage of your life? Um, you know, you had to kind of have a willing suspension of a growth period as well to stay fresh in this type of, of uh, a role that LeBron's been in for so long. And um, I believe it. I think the way you see him engaging um, at, at times right now, he seems more 10 toes down than at other stage of his career. You know, I think back to some of his early days when he went back to the Cavs for the second time around, I was like, Oh, I'm looking at a guy that may only have, you know, two or three years left at that point. And now we're talking about him playing almost a decade since he went back to Cleveland for the second time. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, there, there's a lot, a lot is made about, you know, you know, nobody's asking, nobody's saying that LeBron is losing his, his edge. Um, I think his intensity level within seasons sometimes wanes a little bit. And sometimes it's tied to the team's performance. Sometimes it's just tied to other things. It's been tied to injury. But when he's locked in, he's been locked in. He's still damn impressive. So the Lakers, Anthony Davis went down on December 18th. They have played 12 games since that time. They are 7-5 and five in those 12 games. LeBron has played in 10 of those games. So in the 10 games since Anthony Davis went down, these are LeBron James statistics. 35 minutes a game. 34 points a game. 57% shooting. 24% on threes. 82% at the line. Seven rebounds, almost eight assists. Um, and he bridged his 38th year. Um, and in that stretch, far and away, the Lakers leader in plus minus. By the way, the second player in Lakers plus minus in that stretch is Russ, who's also played 10 games in that stretch. We'll talk about Russ in a minute. Um, but those numbers, Dave, are just tremendous. I'm not going to say that it's the best 10 game stretch of his career. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not without flaws because one of the things that's happened since Anthony Davis went down is that the Lakers defense, which was um, in the top 10 for most of the year has kind of had the bottom fall out of it. They're they're in the bottom six. I think, I think they're 24th in defense in that stretch. You mentioned when we came on here that they've lost some of their defenders, um, some of their, um, some of their, their wing defenders and that's hurt, but you have to, you have to say that, you know, LeBron, you know, it's getting lost a little bit because he's not scoring 50 regularly, but you know, he had that game in Atlanta on uh, right before the new year 
It was on his birthday, right? On oh, his, his birthday, birthday. Actual day. I mean, that's a vintage, oh, vintage. I don't want to be pinned down to that. That's a, a classic LeBron performance. Uh, I mean, you look at him playing and like, regardless what you want to say about the Lakers, you have to acknowledge what he's still doing. Yeah, he finds a way. Uh, he is still the ultimate basketball supercomputer. Uh, and he's processing, okay, without these pieces, while adding these pieces, we need to play this style of ball. I need to bring my level from part A to point B and, um, you know, somehow put those things together. It's going to look like this if we have a chance at winning. And I don't think the minutes, um, you know, you said it's around 35 here. That's good. There was some games where he was getting into the mid forties, um, you know, where I asked Darvin Ham about it because it just didn't seem like a sustainable formula here. And, and, you know, that, that will be on the Lakers coaching staff to figure out and ultimately maybe on the Lakers front office to figure out um, getting some more pieces that the coaching staff feels comfortable giving minutes to where you don't have to play LeBron uh, when the tank is unempty, but it's damn impressive. And like, look at the other guys who have played in stage of their career, you know, year 19 or, or beyond. Look at the numbers that Vince Carter were putting up, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kevin Willis, Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki at this stage of their career. And then look at LeBron's numbers. I mean, it's, you wouldn't believe that those guys were, were playing quote unquote healthy basketball, all those other legends. Um, but no, the, the, their bodies just showed atrophy. The, the game caught up to them. LeBron continues to defy the odds outside of the three point shooting, but the three point shooting, I don't think is anything uh, physically. Uh, I watched him warm up the other night at Staples, uh, excuse me, at crypto.com arena for, a good while and his shot looked sharp. Um, it, it just didn't, it hasn't been translating onto the court. I, I think that's probably a mental block thing more than anything. It, it, it's wild and we're running out of ways to describe it. I think, as you mentioned, like maybe this streak he's on isn't getting quite the same amount of attention because you do have Luca with the 60 point triple doubles and you have 71 from Donovan Mitchell and you have, you know, things like Giannis Joel has had Bede a couple of 50 nuts. point Giannis games. Going, yeah, these, yeah. These guys, the league's going nuts right now, and, and they all deserve credit as well. But they're not doing it 20 years in. They're not doing it at age 38. And uh, they're not doing it, uh, for the most part, with their, their star companion who they won a championship with um, now out for a significant chunk of time for the third straight season. That's a mental toll as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go over old ground here, but I, I've been making the case for a few years that LeBron's resume for, you know, where he ranks all time is based largely around longevity. You know, the the record that he's about to surpass with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and you talked about to LeBron about this a little bit in your interview. Um, it's, it's, it's a scoring record, but really it's a longevity record. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not the greatest scorer of all time, just like LeBron is not the greatest scorer of all time. Those two guys were tremendously great for a tremendously long period of time. It's an honor of being really great for a really long time. It's, it's like half longevity, half execution. It's that Kareem was able to keep himself in condition, avoid major injury, and that he came into the league and was dominant from day one, like LeBron. Um, you know, these it's it's a it's an ode to picking yourself up year after year, keeping yourself in condition, keeping yourself sharp, um, not letting go of the rope. That's what it's an ode to, and that's what LeBron's career really has become. But you know, I think a lot of people, you know, LeBron has been dropping some hints on and off. Um, several different times about, you know, nudging the Lakers towards making a move. And um, you talked to him a little bit about where he's at right now. Um, I just want, before I sort of launch in here, I, I want to get where, where, where you think LeBron is with the Lakers and the Lakers are with LeBron in terms of trying to do something with this roster right now. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. I think LeBron can't help himself but feel some level of urgency while he is playing this well, knowing what he knows. I mentioned all those legends look at their numbers when they get to this stage of this career, that it can be fleeting. And looking to apply pressure in a way that's not overtly disrespectful because the Lakers appear to be sensitive to uh, public perception of how they do their business in that front office and ownership group uh, by applying pressure in order to just get some more pieces. Uh, LeBron James, I reported earlier in the year that the you know leaders in the Lakers locker room, and of course you would put him under that category, believe that they – are really a couple pieces away from being able to make a significant run in in part because not that it's a down year for the NBA, but there's not necessarily dominant teams out there that you would circle and say that we just can't beat them in a seven game series, uh, certainly in the Western conference. And so like a, a deal done, you know, there's, um, the line that's been thrown around from, from people who are, you know, with LeBron and his cause. And tell me one person, tell me the name of someone who you're scouting in the 2027 draft. Tell me the name <laughs> of this, the sixth grader right now who could be coming out in 2029. What you do have is one of the best players of all time still playing at a super high level. And again, it, it's the bird in the hand versus two in the bush. and. He it would like for them to continue to push the chips towards the table. Now the, the Lakers will say, we only got really one shot to do a significant deal here with these future draft picks. And we got to make sure it's the right one. And we got to make sure it's at the right time as well, because Hey, LeBron, we want you to be in the best situation over the next two years as well. We have mutual interests here. Lakers want to win. You want to win. Maybe leading up to the trade deadline in February of 2023 might not be as beneficial of a deal as July of 2023. And we just want to have the best deal that will get you to the end to put you on a championship caliber team uh, before your days with the Lakers are up. Dave, I got a trivia question for you. How many first round picks as rookies? has LeBron played with in his career? In other words, the team drafted the player with LeBron on the team, and he played with them on the team that year. First-round draft pick rookies. So I'm not counting Shabazz Napier, like where the Heat drafted him and they kept him, but he was gone. And I'm not counting Colin Sexton, where the Cavs drafted him, but he's gone, just to be clear. I want you to guess in 20 years, and a couple of years his team's acquired extra first-round picks, I want you to guess how many of those five LeBron has played with, actually shared the court with. I just gave it away. How many of those? <laughs> gave me the number. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the best. I'm not the best five, at this job. Uh, you're you're pretty damn good. So five in twenty years. Yeah, that. And, I am and going again. to tell you the five names. Okay, please. Luke Jackson, 
Great guy, hurt his back, was never anything. Shannon Brown. Brother now is playing for the Lakers on a 10-day contract. Wild. J.J. Hickson. Norris Cole. That's probably the only guy that he's played with that had a significant impact as a rookie and really over the first few years. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also because he came to the Heat who had multiple Hall of Famers. But I will say that in 2011-12, when he won his first championship, Norris Cole played a role. By the way, the Heat traded for Norris Cole on draft night. It wasn't their pick. Um, uh, and last but not least, you want to take a guess at the last one that he played with? Man. Uh, I'll, tell, I'll uh, give you a hint. It was a Laker. Joe, Joe Harris? No, a Laker. Oh, you no, know Joe what? Harris was second rounder. No, you know what? Joe, Joe might have been count. second rounder, though. Well, it does count. So he wasn't on the team when they drafted him, but he played with him as a rookie. So it does count. Uh, Joe Harris, yeah, Joe Harris was a second round pick. Uh, Mo Wagner. Oh, Mo Wagner. There you go. Who was summarily traded after one year with him. Okay. So now go look LeBron James in the face. Because obviously he hasn't cared about first round picks in a long time. Okay. Um, and there's why. Okay. Um, and by the way, the other years where the picks got traded, like really there are two significant players who LeBron, who were drafted by picks that LeBron's team had that they traded. One was Andrew Wiggins, who they traded for Kevin Love and they won the title one year later. They were in the finals that year. Let me tell you how zero regrets there are there. The other one is kind of, and that's DeAndre Hunter, who is a quality player and has upside the Lakers would love to have him right now, but you know who they'd like to have more the guy they traded for him in Anthony Davis. So the two, all the other picks that ended up moving out, the two sort of significant players were, were, you know, you know, one of them is still kind of on the rise. The only guy who's been drafted with a first round pick by, by LeBron's teams ever that became an all-star was Andrew Wiggins. And that happened last year for the first time. Okay. So now tell me why LeBron James should sit here and worry about first round picks. And that's what the, the basis of this is. Um, and so like we can have a discussion and we've had discussions about whether or not you, you or not necessarily you, but someone thinks that the Lakers are being too protective or disrespectful or whatever, but you can certainly understand why LeBron does not care about first-round picks. Um, And also, the one thing about LeBron is he's taken teams that are, you know, lower on talent and overachieved with them. Um, You know, several of those Cavs teams, he took deep into the playoffs that didn't have great talent. Um, And so I don't think there's a trade that exists that the Lakers can – can make and all of a sudden they're a serious title contender. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't necessarily see it, but I, I totally understand why LeBron does not care. And I totally understand why he's like, you know, or, you know, or there's a feeling that get me a player, get me a player and a half and let me maximize what this team can do. Even if that maximizing what this team to do might be getting into the playoffs through the play in and going six competitive games with the team. That might be a great season for the Lakers. Um, and, you know, I what you said about the way the Lakers look at it is exactly what I've heard, too. I mean, I'm, I totally understand that. Um, and I'm somebody who said, you know, you've got to have patience. Uh, but from LeBron's point of view, I cannot blame him for taking that position. What I do wonder is, you know, last year, he didn't come out and, and really hit the Lakers until they were inactive at the deadline. After they were inactive at the deadline, if I, unless I'm misremembering, no, you're that's, when he, that's when he expressed his disappointment. We're now a month from the deadline. I think it's like a month from the day this podcast comes out. I think, I think it's February 8th. No, today is the 8th. So Sunday the 8th. So we're a month from the deadline. Will LeBron James, especially if the Lakers keep getting wins, will he be able to hold himself back? 
I don't know, Dave. And I don't know what the Lakers are going to do about it. I mean, not only last year did it, it, it lead to you know a, a ton of rancor and uh, just feelings that, that got so hurt that you wondered if he was going to finish his career in L.A. Uh, you know, there was the report I had after the trade deadline where Rob Blake comes out and says that Anthony Davis and LeBron James were on board with the Lakers in action at the trade deadline. <laughs> I reported that, and then, no, that was not the case. Oh my <laughs> God, I can remember. I remember when that story landed in my inbox, I get copied when you file news stories on the Lakers sometimes. And I was like, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, it, it could go that direction. And, and listen, I don't think LeBron James, like he still has a lot of joy for the, the game of basketball. And, and I think there are many parts of uh, playing for the Lakers that he enjoys as much as playing for any of the other franchises he's been a part of in his time in the league. But this is a mechanism mechanism that's available to him uh, to talk to uh, reporters uh, uh, in order to let his feelings be known. Uh, especially when he knows that what he says will be heard from the people that call the shots, that uh, hold the wallet, uh, that that hold the draft war chest for the Lakers. So, um, it, you just just hope for it for his sake that it doesn't poison the well. If you know, let, let's just believe that it would be a prudent decision for the Lakers having canvassed trade opportunities since last February, really, and deciding not to do anything last February, deciding not to do anything in the summertime. And if they decide not to do anything major, you know, leading up in the next month, let's just believe for a second that they're doing it because there's going to be a better deal on the other side of things. You just hope that, the period from February 9th that they don't do a trade till whatever the date is that they would do a trade to make this team better for the remaining years of LeBron James's tenure does not ruin everything, ruin all the goodwill and, and lead to you know, uh, the, the, the final years of, of his twilight, of his prime, um, to be continued to like, be less of a representation of how great of a player he's been than they should be. Yeah. I mean, um, there's this perception that LeBron is doing this under threat of like saying, I want out of here. I don't, I should say there's a perception from some people. I have never felt that never felt that, you know, when he left, um, Miami for LA. I absolutely felt he, he was leaving. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was happening in 2014. Um, but I really felt like he was going, going back to Cleveland. I really felt like he was leaving. And I, I thought 2014 was, there was a chance, but I also thought there was a chance he might stay one more year. I absolutely thought LeBron was leaving Cleveland after 2018. I mean, um, I can remember, you know, those of us who were covering the Cavs, like during that finals, Dave, we were like posing for goodbye photos and, um, you know, saying, hey, it was a great four years, you know, working together, uh, you know, fare thee well, because we knew he was leaving um, and probably to L.A. But, you know, we we pretty much knew he was leaving. I'm not as close to LeBron now as I've been in years past. You're there every day. Um, but based on my conversations and, and everything like that, and my covering the league and I still am in LA a lot, go to Laker games, you know, talk to people. I don't feel that at all. And, uh, his, his, um, his contract extension that he did last year, I'm a big guy who, who believes in actions over words. That was the actions of somebody who has no intention of leaving the Lakers. And so really his weapon, as you just said, is to make the Lakers uncomfortable. It is not, I think, a threat that he's going to walk on them. And I think the Lakers are fully aware of that. And after they made one of the more disastrous trades in the history of the NBA, 
even though Russ is playing better this year, which we're going to talk about in a second, they are afraid. Afraid probably isn't the word Rob Palinka would use, but they are being very cautious about making a, a, a second trade that could really kneecap them. And frankly, unless you're going to disagree with what I just said, Dave, I don't blame them. No, I don't either uh, because I don't think there's a magic bullet trade that's been kind of floated out there into the ether that, that the Lakers haven't pursued. Um, that I mean, obviously a lot of trade scenarios also that we end up talking about are just figments of people's imaginations. Like trades aren't a trade until they're done, right? And so it, it's just conversation. And there are, are teams out there in the NBA that have owners who don't want to deal with the Lakers out of professional jealousy. There are general managers out there who don't want to deal with LeBron James or Rich Paul or Rob Palenka out of professional jealousy. And so they already have things going against them when it comes to finding deals that are out there. And listen, that's why some of these conversations that we have when we talk to people representing the Lakers side of things, you sometimes have to take with a grain of salt too because it behooves the Lakers to change the public perception to put it out there that they're not interested in doing a deal because when those teams that they're going to have to deal with who already are are not inclined to help the Lakers out think that the Lakers are coming from a position of desperation, they're going to only clamp them down harder when trying to pull out assets to get whatever the Lakers want. And so – it's a difficult job. No one's going to be sorry for any of these people in LA uh, to make it happen. But if, as long as the Lakers are being true and they should be, because this is about bigger than LeBron James this is the brand of being the land of champions, the 17 banners, the Larry O'Brien trophies in the window in Jeannie Buss's office overlooking the practice court. If they are all about winning, then they will do the right thing and they will make a significant trade to give this chance, this team a chance to win, not just LeBron a chance to win, but this team a chance to win yeah, fair point. in short order. Well, it's so, you know, the, the real issue is there's just, just right now there's not sellers. So there's a few teams that are sort of sitting on the bubble. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the bulls, maybe being that team. They have won eight out of 11 games and two of those losses were to the Cavs. In game in mo- in moments that they got you know the last two minute reports in both games um, indicated that they got the wrong end of it. Now I would say that there was zero percent chance of Donovan Mitchell getting called for a uh, lane violation um, on his putback basket, the forced overtime. But all things being equal, they have three losses in eleven games, and that. They could have absolutely easily won both of those Cavs games and made a 10 and out of 11 and by all rights, probably should have won one of the two. And so it could, it could be nine out of 11. So they've kind of come back from the ledge, although I would still have them in the watch pile. The Raptors are in a free fall um, and it's, they're having an incredibly disappointing season. They have loads of talent um, and People are watching what they will do, but I'm going to be honest with you. I have conversations with people about the Raptors, but I have yet to have a single indication from the Raptors that they're interested in, in doing this. I have, I've had none of that from the Raptors. I think, I don't think they're, the Raptors are saying, Oh, we're absolutely positively 100% not doing it. Um, I think they'll see what the next month brings. I think people are watch them, but they're not there yet. Um, I think teams are starting to more closely watch the jazz who have done, have had a very respectful season of competing, um, engaging their fan base with the players that they traded for, particularly Lowry Markkinen. Um, but recently they've been playing really well and losing, you know, they've been having narrow losses. It's kind of like an ideal situation very highly competitive games where you're losing. Well, they've now slipped down under 500 and they've got tradable guys on their roster. So people are watching them, but as yet, I still haven't heard um, that they are seriously looking to sell. 
I'll put the Atlanta Hawks on the list. Not that they're looking to maybe tank, but that their mix doesn't appear to be right right now. And they just had a general manager change, Landry Fields coming in. And there is, you know, some belief that maybe there needs to be a mix up there. But again, um, while they've had some talks involving John Collins for months now, um, I'm not getting the feel that the Hawks are like poised on the balls of their feet to make a deal. They've been involved with the Suns a little bit for Jay Crowder, but Jay Crowder has been being dangled literally for three months now. So I don't think it's that the Lakers have, you know, kicked up their feet and, and, you know, turned off their phones. I just think that they're not even really in a position to, you know, aggressively bid. They may be in a position to aggressively bid in two and a half, three weeks when teams start to make up their mind. But I just don't think the market is really open yet. And look, those of us in the media, um, I'd like to think I'm fairly well connected, but I'm, you know, there's always going to be an information lag. I mean, maybe some teams have started to have internal discussions, but I, I don't have that feel, Dave. So that's, um, you know, that's a, that's a, a problem with trying to go to market when, you know, a lot of the market's closed. Um, it, make you, it makes you wonder if the Noah Vonley deal between Boston and San Antonio was the first salvo fired and that opens up trade deadline season officially. Uh, it makes you wonder if there's some other teams out there, you know, Detroit, Charlotte, Washington, that, that could be on, on the list that we're, we just referred to. You can expand it larger. Uh, that could be sellers. Like uh, there are possibilities running up here. I think that the big question is that will be pertinent to you know, the, the LeBron James view of, of the now versus the future is are the Lakers actually committed to moving those picks if the right deal occurs? And from the information I have, they are. Uh, but they will not do a deal now if they don't feel like it's the right deal. And I, I think that's where you're kind of just repeating what we've already said. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, so let's take a look at some of the other things that have gone right for the Lakers recently. Um, uh, so Russell Westbrook moving to the bench. I mean, Darvin Ham gets a, a W here because he navigated the the nastiness that was really sort of there at the beginning of the season. Westbrook was, you know, the centerpiece of a lot of criticism, and rightly so in many cases. He was acting strange. He sold them on the bench roll. And he's been an effective bench player. And in his last 10 games, he's averaging 15 points, shooting 44% um, and averaging uh, eight, uh, almost nine assists a game uh, and seven rebounds a game. He, you know, in 27 minutes, he's basically, if he was playing his normal uh, minutes from, you know, three, four years ago, he would be probably right up against triple-double again. And like I said, he's second on the Lakers in plus minus. I'm not sitting here arguing for him to be, um, you know, the leading candidate for six man of the year as the sports books have, because they take advantage of Laker fans, but he's been a, 
an effective player. Uh, and he's helping them win. There's still situations that are problematic, but um, he's still, you know, three-pointers are a little shaky, but he stopped taking so many. He's taking fewer. He's taking four a game. I wish he took one, but um, like you got to say like Darvin Ham and Russell Westbrook have found ways where he is coming with the second unit, pushing the tempo and making plays, Dave. Like you, you got to give him that. The interesting part about it is that as these injuries have continued to occur and, and afflict the Lakers lineup, Darwin has stuck to his guns to keep Russell coming off the bench. Whereas we've seen with someone like Jordan Poole, right, who will end up probably being a six-man-of-the-year candidate when all is said and done. At this stage of the, of the season for the Warriors, I think has more starts than games off the bench because of injuries. But Darwin will not bring Russ back to the starting lineup I think on some level, because there's not full buy-in quite yet. I, I think this is my interpretation that Darvin knows that he, if you put Russ back in the starting lineup, it could be opening up Pandora's box in terms of uh, he will not be comfortable going back to that, that bench role. So that's a little caveat <laughs> just worth mentioning. And, and again, ultimately, Russell Westbrook really has impacted winning uh, for this Lakers group this year, which he did not do last year. So he deserves credit for that. Absolutely. But you also look at his shooting percentages. You know, you did mention over this recent streak around 44%, which, which is, you know, solid in terms of his career numbers, but overall for the season, the second worst shooting percentage of his career. Uh, he's sub 29% from three point range um, for the amount of attempts he takes. Like that's, that's one that's tough to swallow. Um, and I asked Darvin him about that uh, in Sacramento, and he said, like, I'm comfortable. I trust him. I'm comfortable with him having the ball in his hands and, uh, you know, calling his own number, running the offense, seeing what he sees. Does he want him to be more deliberate? And, and, and like, if you're going to do something, go full throttle at it. Like, some of the threes that he takes, he gets a kick out that's wide open. And – He'll stand there and he'll jab step and he'll jab step and then he'll throw up a miss. Like if you catch and shoot a wide open look, go for it, shoot it. That'll keep us in the flow. Um, but if you're second guessing already, you're probably not going to give it its best chance of, of going in. And then in terms of like keep playing downhill when he gets into the paint. I mean, one thing that that's really impressed me seeing Russell up close to personal night in night out for the first time in my time covering the NBA his ability to get passes through traffic in the lane to, you know, a little dump off pass to Wenyan Gabriel or Thomas Bryant um, for dunks, for layups, for reverse layups. It's really an impressive skill set. And so um, if he keeps getting into the lane and, and whether he has a little duck in score for himself or, or can find these guys, he'll continue to be effective. And, and he's certainly someone that, I think he's played well enough to earn earn the right to, to finish this season in LA, you know, because again, the Lakers also have a bigger brand thing that they're trying to sell that we take care of superstars. And Russell is still a superstar, not LeBron James, but he's still a superstar. And, and so maybe you don't uproot his family. Well, um, I think most importantly, his most of it, many of his peers see him still as a superstar. And that's really the message you're trying to send to, you know, that's the people you're in addition to, to Russ himself. Um, it's uh, it's, it's that message. Thomas Bryant, who was out earlier this year with injury. Um, he has, you know, and this is the thing, you know, the, the Lakers have occasionally hit on some of these types of players. The problem is when you are relying on six guys in your rotation at the minimum, when you finally get one or, you know, a low, maybe not the minimum, but low paid, you know, it's kind of diluted because you have so many, the way this team's structured, but he's averaging 13 points and shooting 69% from the field. And in this stretch, let me take a look here. He's, you know, in the stretch where they've gone seven and five without KD, he's averaging, um, without AD. Ten, man, they wish I they were, KD. said KD, they would wish they were out <laughs> KD. I mean, they get him at some point. 
Sorry, I, you can tell I'm uh, I'm a little tired. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's averaging 17 points, shooting 67. He's pretty much a career 67% shooter. Um, and he doesn't shoot many threes, um, but he can stretch the floor because if you leave them open, he is an effective shooter from the perimeter. And he's averaging 11 rebounds a game in this stretch in uh, 30 minutes. Um, you know, it, it, there are some times when it's not the ideal lineup and um, uh, he has a negative plus minus. So, you know, it's a circumstantial number, but I think it should be pointed out that part of the reason why the Lakers have improved is that Thomas Bryant and to an extent, Dennis Schroeder got healthy and are help and are helping them. And, you know, I really didn't like the Lakers roster construction this year because I think it killed their spacing. Um, but they, the team that they put together, um, they've, they've, they've gotten some base hits and, you know, Schroeder in this stretch is averaging uh, 17 points on 50% shooting and four assists. Um, he's, you know, again, I don't, I'm not thrilled with, the decision to sign him over going to get somebody else who could shoot a little bit better, but he shot the three pointer well in this stretch better than almost I expected. He's shooting like 48% on threes in this, in this 12 game stretch. Like you have to acknowledge he's, he's doing well. And those are decisions that the Lakers made that are working out. Compared to the veteran minimum signing, certainly last year, that was just a string of disasters uh, from Trevor Ariza to Kent Bazemore. Rajon Rondo, DeAndre Jordan, um, on and on and on. These guys, as you mentioned, Schroeder has been really good, uh, you know, especially in this last month. Once he got his legs back underneath him, he came from Germany. He was, uh, you know, kind of behind the eight ball in terms of training uh, after going through the summer, suffers the thumb injury, um, has a, you know, uh, his family has a child. And obviously that that is an adjustment period as you add to your family uh, situation, like all that, those things. But now he just has a, a strong rhythm and confidence and, and guys like playing with them. That matters. And, you know, veteran minimum signing, Thomas Bryant, veteran minimum signing, um, someone that you know, Rob Palenka has history with, you know, was part of the Lakers front office when they originally brought him in um, out of Indiana and um, kept tabs on him and kept the relationship up with his agent, Todd Ramazar. And, and, you know, you, took a little bit of a risk considering the injury he went through with Washington, but here he is uh, balling out. And Troy Brown Jr. also, when healthy, has been really effective. Those are three veteran minimum signings that have hit for the Lakers this year. And uh, if you're going to construct a team around three max salaries like they are, you have to hit on those guys. And, you know, I don't know what – what would you say, like, a, a good percentage to hope for on a veteran minimum signing? 25%? You know, I think it's more that it's more that if you sign a guy, you, you know, he, if, 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 if you sign a guy for the veteran minimum and he can help you win two or three games during the regular season, in other words, he plays a, a significant role in a victory for a couple of games, you're happy. And like one playoff game, you know, I think you're happy. Um, and that may seem like a low bar, but, you know, go look at the history of it. You know, I'm not talking about like playing in three games and getting the three wins, but where the guy like does something that like legitimately, um, you know, makes a difference in a win and loss, like comes off the bench and scores, you know, 15 points or, you know, gets 17 rebounds or something. And like Thomas Bryan has, and Dennis Schroeder have just have far exceeded that already. Like they've already outperformed their contract. When you look at you know the actual dollars and cents of it, right? Um, the Lakers are sixteen and eleven since those two players made their debut. Sixteen yeah, and eleven, and, like that would put, and, put them in top three in the eight, West. If they and AD is missed, year. like out of those twenty-seven games, AD is missed probably 15, 16 14, of those. Yeah, LeBron, yeah, somewhere around, right? And LeBron's missed, you know, a handful. Um, and there are other injuries, and they had a tough schedule. Um, so I, I mean, I. I don't know. I um, I don't change any of the things that I said about the Lakers at the start of the season, but I've completely changed my expectations for them. And as it comes to you know making a move, um, I'm okay with their high standard, and I'm okay with LeBron wanting them to do something. I'm okay with both of it. And at the end of the day, when LeBron took that extension, he sent the message that 
um, he's keeping, you know, the sharp stick in the drawer that he's used in the past. Doesn't mean he can't go to it in the next five minutes. Uh, we can't go to it this year because he can't be traded. Uh, doesn't mean he won't go back to it, but, um, you know, if I, if I was a Lakers fan, I would just enjoy that most nights they're giving themselves a good chance to win. And, um, and that's, it's, that's where it's, it's right a now. team. It's a team. If, if you like watching basketball, like they are somewhat fun and there are some redemption stories and there are some ascending talents. Like it was cool to see in Sacramento to have four veterans out there and then Max Christie in the, closing lineup and you're like oh what's the rookie gonna do here you know yeah I, 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 there's some dynamics at play here that that make make it a group that you know if you're a lakers fan like it's it's worth tuning in it's worth rooting for this group and, and hopefully for lebron's sake it, it's it's good enough to give him a shot in the postseason because uh that's that's what yeah that, that's that's where he's really made his bones <laughs> in, in his career yeah. i'm you know I'm, I've, I've just turned on the Lakers. I think I, I now think they're plucky. That's kind of what, what Zach Lowe would say, right? They're frisky. All right, Dave. Thank Congratulations on getting that interview with LeBron. Um, it's, uh, it's not easy. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and uh, enjoy your trip to Denver. That might be a little tougher to keep that winning streak alive. Yeah, nuggets are like 15 and three at home, 16 and three, 15 and three. Might be uh, tough for that, but uh, who knows? You know, don't underestimate them. Uh, thank you for listening to Hoop Podcast. We will talk to you guys later this week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.